0: Hey, it's Garen here. Inflation keeps rising. There won't be a better time than right now to replace the roof following the storm damage. Let the Shamrock team treat you to a free inspection and we'll replace the damage with the best roof at the best price. One call does it all at ShamrockRoofer.com.
1: The show that takes you home. The Homestretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City. 15 10 a.m. 94.5 FM and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Keep on, keep on Welcome to the home stretch ESPN Kansas City live in studio on what feels like a gorgeous Tuesday afternoon. I was laughing with some of the guys I normally golf with, and we were saying it's 36 degrees, but after how cold it has been. Wouldn't you golf in this weather? And I was like, yeah. Maybe we're psychos. Could be. But after the negatives and the zeros and the wind, this feels glorious outside. Feels like spring break. It's a spring break, baby. How old is too old for spring break? Because I say never. It doesn't even have to be when spring break occurs. You can just do it whenever. I love just yelling spring break in November when I'm down in Florida. Just spring break.
2: Woo. I'm with that. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could yell a Thanksgiving break down, you know, uh, like in November.
1: Who, who's this late 20s, almost early 30s dude yelling spring break? Where does he go to school? See a neuroscientist, a neurosurgeon? Because those guys go to school for 14 years. Nah. Nah, pal. Business marketing graduated 2016. I'm
2: just an idiot. Kyle, how are you? I'm well. You're 100% right about this weather, too. It feels glorious out.
1: This is about the weather it's going to be in Baltimore. Uh, Chance for rain. At least as of now, it looks like chance for rain, but mostly overcast is the forecast. I don't care what the weather is. The Chiefs have shown they can play in anything. And I mean anything. Wind. Check. Rain. Check.
2: Snow. Check. Frigid. Check. Doesn't matter. Even with snowballs being hurled at them. <laughs> They'll play. I
1: did think that was a little bush league by Bills fans. I'm Not all Bills fans did that. Obviously, I think it'd be fun. You know, after you score, fun. That's awesome. But that one to MVS in the end zone, now, nah, it was uncatchable. But, like, come on. Like... I think it's pretty soft, because that could actually affect... You might say, well, you should catch either way. Sure, but imagine you don't know what's going on. You're trying to catch the ball, and all of a sudden, a snowball hits you right in the hands. Like,
2: Yeah, what if someone sneaks one right through the face mask?
1: Yeah, I mean, Bush League.
2: That's that'd my be, personal... That'd be a hell of a throw. Hell of a throw.
1: <laughs> hell of a throw. Can't even take a rip at Josh Allen, because Allen was throwing great balls. But... Chiefs move on, face Baltimore, head to Baltimore, and now we can finally use this since the national media wanted to say the Chiefs and Mahomes have not won a road playoff game, right? Well,
2: now they've not lost a road playoff game, so they should have the advantage, right, Kyle? Isn't that how this works? Yeah, he was undefeated before that on the road in the playoffs, and he's undefeated after that. Mm.
1: What I will say, and we'll get into this all week long. We'll also be joined by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry in the second segment. I don't like this matchup stylistically for Kansas City. I was confident against the Bills. Anyone who listened to this show, um, you knew how confident I was against the Bills. How confident I was against the Dolphins. I am Not that confident against the Ravens. And the reason is, stylistically, the Ravens have the advantage, okay? Now, the Ravens also have been clear-cut the best team in the AFC and maybe the NFL all season long, okay? They're a damn good team. But the reason why I say I don't know how much... I trust the Chiefs stylistically against the Ravens. The Chiefs are going to have to have a tertiary receiver step up. Now, we saw MVS bring in two catches for 62 yards. That has to happen at a minimum. Someone, I'm not saying MVS, but I'm saying someone has to step up and do that against the Ravens. Because, for the most part against the Bills, and for sure against the Dolphins... You can focus all on Kelsey and Rice, and those two teams don't have the dogs to stop you. You don't have to find someone else because Kelsey or Rice, they will get open because that no one can go one-on-one against those guys. The Ravens is a different story. Um, looking at the Ravens' defense, they are number one in the NFL in opponent's yards per pass. They are uh, number four in sack percentage. They are number four in opponent's completion percentage. Um, I mean, they give up 191 yards per game through the air. Chiefs, obviously, are also very good as well. The Chiefs give up 177.6. So it's not like. But my, the point I'm trying to make is imagine the Chiefs playing the Chiefs defense. But imagine the Chiefs playing the Chiefs defense. With a much better ability to stop the run. Um, Because Baltimore's defense against the run, um, pretty darn good. Um, First and rushing touchdowns given up, number one. Um, Teams run a lot against them, and they're not super effective. You get 4.4 yards per carry, but the overall numbers aren't great. A lot of that is kind of just unimportant yardage. You know, I'm talking like if you use like DVOA numbers, not every four yard carry is equal. And this is what gives me cause to pause. Because what the Ravens do well, not necessarily against tight ends, but in general, they can guard Kelsey and Rice while also simultaneously getting rid of Isaiah Pacheco. So that means a tertiary receiver is going to have to step up. And that's why I say stylistically it gives me cause. Against the Bills, against the Dolphins, you're fine with those three. Against the Ravens, you got to have a four. And I don't know who it's going to be.
2: I'm with you 100%. And unlike the Bills' defense, this Ravens' defense has got some elite linebackers. Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith, as you obviously highlighted, they stopped the run better than anybody. And Patrick Queen is, is a heck of a coverage backer, too. Uh, he can take away the middle of the field, which is where I think the Chiefs do the most damage, obviously. So, yeah, you're 100% right. If if Kelsey and Rice are a little bit bottled up and Pacheco in the offensive lines not getting that, that running game going, we're going to need to see a Justin Watson, and an MVS catch down the field. Noah Gray is going to have to chip in, you know?
1: And they did last week against the Bills. But the thing is, is how often have we seen the consistent stepping up of those weapons? We haven't. Now, maybe playoff MVS is just a real thing, and this continues to happen. Maybe Kadarius Toney gets healthy, and he's the guy that fills in with the um, disappointing game from McCall Hardman.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there you
1: go. Right? So, like, I'm sitting here going, I'm not saying the Chiefs can't win this game. I'm not saying I'm picking the Chiefs to lose this game. But what I am saying is stylistically, again, you are now betting on. Someone outside of Rice, Kelsey, and Pacheco to step up. That is what this game comes down to, to me. And on the flip side of things, the Ravens are very efficient passing the ball. They don't pass often. Guess what their pass play percentage is in the NFL this year?
2: Like the amount of times they run a pass play versus a run play? Correct. Uh, let me guess, it's definitely got to be bottom half. They're last. The oh, wow.
1: They they run the ball the most in the league. They pass on 48%, uh, 49% actually, just to round it up. Where, guess where the Chiefs' defense of issues lie? You guessed it. Stopping the run. Again, stylistically not a great match because... I'm not worried about Lamar or Zay Flowers or Odell Beckham Jr. or Rashad Bateman or Nelson Aguilar, right? You're not worried about those dudes. What you're worried about is the Ravens' ability, who have been the number 1-ranked rushing offense in the entire NFL going up against a bottom-half rushing defense in Kansas City. The Chiefs' strengths are somewhat getting neutralized, right? So what the Chiefs do well, and where they excel, against the majority of teams in the NFL, that is a massive strength. In this particular game, it might not matter as much. Those strengths, as great as they are, aren't utilized as often. And that's, again, where my worries lie. Isaiah Likely, and now Mark Andrews, could be back for this game which should make you at least a little nervous because those two dudes and 12 personnel, which, again, we have seen in the past, 12 personnel against the Chiefs, linebackers, depending on the news of Willie Gay Jr. could make this even more concerning. Again, I am i know people are sitting here going, why are you being so pessimistic? I'm not. I'm trying to be a realist, man. I, I, I hope the Chiefs win this game. I ain't picking the Chiefs to lose just yet, but I'm saying when I'm going through my initial run-through of all the numbers
2: I'm wary. I'm nervous. The matchup on paper certainly doesn't seem to favor the Chiefs. Correct. But you've got Baltimore minus three and a half. I mean, it could still be a dogfight of a game.
1: Now, I for sure take the points. Three and a half, I would love the Chiefs. That that right there, I think you're getting good value there. But again, as far as on paper, the game played on paper. We know this. On paper. Chiefs are going to have their hands full because their strengths are getting neutralized where their weaknesses could potentially get exposed by the Baltimore Ravens' strengths. And that is the difference here. Now, if the the Chiefs played almost any other team, they have the advantage because their secondary is that good. What I will say is their secondary tackles very well. Okay, That gives me some reason for optimism. When you tackle as well as the Chiefs' secondary does... You saw it against Miami and why I threw away a lot of the Miami rushing statistics in that game, because Miami runs a lot of horizontal plays, outside zones, all that stuff, which is going to be a lot of cornerbacks one-on-one. Well, the Chiefs' cornerbacks tackle better than any other cornerbacks in the entire NFL, right? So I thought you couldn't take those statistics as gospel. But what do the Ravens do well? They run up the gut. And so Nick Bolton, who quite frankly had his worst game of the season last last week. Again, I love Nick Bolton. He's a great linebacker. We've seen him play better games. Not a knock on him. We know what he can do. We know he's better than what he did last game. He will have his hands full. Willie Gay Jr., if he plays or not, is going to be a massive storyline. Drew Tranquil, we are very thankful that Veach brought him in. And then Leo Chenal. I mean, this linebacker group, which had its hands full last week against the Bills with Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid, James Cook, and obviously the running ability of... of Josh Allen, same situation, although the difference is you probably don't have to put Willie Gay Jr. as a spy who was early on against Josh Allen because Josh Allen's so big, right? Tough to bring down. Lamar Jackson, tough to bring down, but he's more slithery. It's tough to catch him. Tough to catch him. Get your hands on him. You You can do something a little more creative if you have to. Does that play into spag strengths? I mean, this game is going to be a... Thought-provoking game for both coaching staffs. I'm very intrigued to see what Spags tries to do against a team that is going up against the Chiefs' weakness with that being their strength. How do you try and force them to beat you with his arm? Which, again, why I've said they've not thrown the ball a lot this year. They're very effective when they do. Fourth in the NFL in yards per pass is the Ravens. Um, third an interception is thrown they don't make a lot of mistakes uh, they do give up a decent amount of sacks but that's because Lamar holds on to the ball a ton and sometimes those rushes can be considered sacks uh, if you're behind the line of scrimmage you know how sometimes it's a tackle for loss and sometimes it's a sack it just depends on how the, the play call is designed right, right. Um, so I'm sitting here going if you're the Chiefs you have to force them to throw while also making sure your cornerbacks are locked down one-on-one. Because you're going to have to have a lot of one-on-ones. If you have a spy, what's that do? Takes away a defensive player. Legereus Sneed has the advantage against any Ravens wide receiver he goes up against. I, I don't know if you put him on Zay Flowers because Zay Flowers is a, little, is a little more slender, a little more fast, a little more quick. Do you do you try putting the physicality of Sneed or do you go with a, another smaller guy and Trent McDuffie, right? But the Chiefs have the advantage in the secondary, no doubt. But they're going to have to hold up one-on-one. That, to me, might be the key, too. It, it, it's just the secondary holding up one-on-one because if they can hold up one-on-one... This game gets way more interesting. They've held up one on one the majority of the season, but this game in particular, they're going to be going to be asked and tasked to do
2: a lot. Sterling, to your point about the Ravens' offense, just checking the box score uh, against their win uh, against the Houston Texans. Lamar, sixteen of twenty two, one hundred fifty two yards, two passing touchdowns. Uh, now the running game. Lamar, eleven attempts, one hundred yards, two yeah. touchdowns. Justice Hill, thirteen. Attempts. Gus Edwards, ten attempts. Dalvin Cook, eight attempts. They, yeah. They will run run the ball. And
1: the Dalvin Cook was late in that game. Yeah. That was salting it away. But again, just just going back to those Lamar passing stats again, no one's gonna be blown away by it. So that's why people are like, Well, he's a running back. Well, no, look at the efficiency of it. And that's what I always try and bring up is he's not gonna be a guy that beats you with his arm necessarily, but he will keep drives alive. He will keep you honest, and he completes a high enough percentage. It works. It works. How do you think the Chiefs try defensively to handle Lamar in this offense?
2: Uh, I I know one thing. Given their effort against against Buffalo over the weekend, the, the defensive line definitely needs to step up. Yeah, And you have to—I know he's hard to catch, but you have to get to Lamar Jackson and and force a play to break down. And I know that's where Lamar can succeed, but if Lamar has to escape the pocket and you've got him somewhat contained, I I do trust the secondary quite a bit, one-on-one, against whoever the receiver is.
1: So this Chiefs defense is first in the NFL in sack percentage. Right. They don't have the most sacks, but it's sacks percentage because— a lot of teams don't drop back. It comes down to drop back numbers. They're first in the NFL. Chiefs are defensively in sack percentage. Again, the Ravens are 24th as far as sacks given up. That might be the game because you have to get the Ravens behind the sticks. If you allow them to run three times, they're going to pick up the first down. If you can get Lamar back, if you can get the, the Ravens into a second and 15, a first and 20, you really like the Chiefs' odds. You really do. That, that That is going to be the key of the game is, I know I've said keys a couple times now, but again, I, I think these are all very valid points. You have to get them behind the sticks and force them to throw the, throw the ball. And I wonder if this is, is a situation where we have seen, we have seen the Chiefs at least we've seen other teams do this against the Chiefs, and now we have seen uh, the Packers do it twice. Take the ball. When you win the coin toss, take it. Score first and try and put pressure on the other team. Now, it's weird saying this, but the Chiefs are the underdogs. And again, stylistically, as we've mentioned, the Ravens have the advantage here. If you're the Chiefs, do you go against the traditional analytical thinking? Do you go against what you have traditionally done ever since AD Reed took over as the head coach? And if you win the toss, do you take the ball first and try and make the Ravens play from behind?
2: You're shaking your head. I really I don't think it matters a whole bunch to be honest with you. The Ravens have a very powerful offense. Yeah. They're not, you know, super explosive. But Lamar is. He can break one at any time. Zay Flowers can get behind you at any time. I I think it's imperative that the Chiefs do get ahead because I don't think they are well equipped enough to come back. Yeah. You yeah. Know. I mean, am I crazy here? Slightly.
1: All right. Slightly, I think yeah. the Chiefs offense is good enough to come back from behind It'll be difficult against this Ravens defense Who again has one of the best secondaries in the entire NFL But What we have seen from Mahomes Is Playoff Mahomes and playoff Chiefs Is a little different Now again I'm not saying this is what it once was even last year But What they can do When they're behind and forced to throw Is they'll throw Four guys out wide You know, maybe you have Pacheco in the backfield, and or or someone to block, if you will. Mahomes will scramble; he'll take off. Just how we're talking about Lamar with his legs, I I think Mahomes does it a different way. Not going to look as fast, but you'll see back-breaking plays with Mahomes' legs almost as often as you see backbreaking breaking plays with Lamar's legs. They're just done different ways. Lamar does it 11 times a game. Mahomes does it 3 or 4, right? Special teams, the Chiefs no longer have the large advantage. Justin Tucker's not had a good season, but if we're being completely honest, I think you still say, okay, yeah, Justin Tucker, though, in the playoffs, what he's done in his career... It's a wash. Butker has been the second best kicker in the NFL for a while now, right? I think it's been Tucker 1, Butker 2. I said going into last week, the Chiefs have a massive advantage special teams-wise over the Bills and Tyler Bass. Especially with their their punter injured. Yeah, and their punter. And what did we see? A couple shanked punts. Obviously a missed field goal. You won't see that with the Ravens. You won't. And so... Those fumbles that McColl had. They recovered one, but the second one. You can't do that. Um Chamari Connor, who by the way played a phenomenal game. Chamari Connor, hats off to you. That that that's the Chiefs' third string safety, right? Brian Cook injured, Mike Edwards injured in that game, then Chamari Connor steps up. Great game. You gotta fall on the ball.
2: You can't try and pick up and score and be the hero. You would have been the hero if you fall on the ball. Yeah, that's a situational awareness thing. The Chiefs have just They've kind of lacked from several players this year. You know?
1: Again, I'm not trying to knock on him because he had a great game. But yeah. but again, these are the things that you can get away with against the Bills. You can't against the Ravens. For example, Chiefs not challenging on the first drive the backward pass or the forward pass that was called. Again, I don't blame the refs in that situation. You know how hard that is? And when you watch that live, you're like, yeah, that's a backward pass. Yep, But when you slow it down. And you can actually see it. That, that was a yard forward. That's a forward pass. So I'm sitting here going, Andy, you and the Chiefs. you got to challenge that against the Ravens. Bills, they got away with it because Willie Gay Jr., before he went out in that game, saved them four points by knocking that ball down, right? Again, these are situations Chiefs got away with. I think a lot of 50-50 balls, quite frankly, actually went the Bills' way. Like sometimes you can say you can create your luck. I'm all for that. I get that. But the McCole hardman fumble, Jamari Connor not falling on it, uh, the, the lateral pass, uh, the Bills fumbled once in the first drive and recovered, right? There, there were a lot of 50-50 balls that went the Bills' way. You can talk about the missed field goal. Is that luck? No, I think it's more their kicker's just not as good. Uh, fake punt? Was that luck, or is that the fact that they made a dumb call? It's a dumb call. The actual 50-50 balls, Bills got a lot of. Chiefs still won against the Ravens. You got to actually have those go 50 50 or at least in your way because you ain't getting away with it
2: again. This Ravens team is much better than Buffalo. What gives me a good feeling is Patrick Mahomes, I think, is playing his best football of this year. So, by far. By far. And the thing that gives me pause is that Buffalo defense was so banged up. Mm. And Von Miller is no longer, he's not the same guy, right? Zero sacks this year in 14 games. They were playing with practice squad guys in their linebacking core. That's not what you're going to get with Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen in Baltimore. No. And as you brought up, the the rushing defense and their numbers, just
1: elite. I will say, Kelsey did feast against those guys. Noah Gray was three of three, right? Three catches through. It's not like the Chiefs threw the ball a lot that game against the Bills because they didn't need to. Maybe you say you would have liked them to throw it more. I'm with you. But they had, what was it, 48 offensive snaps? I had the number yesterday. I, I, I took it down. The Bills had like 71. 78. Wow. It was okay. 39 and 39, if I'm not mistaken. So the Chiefs didn't have as many opportunities, so box score numbers, if you're a box score watcher, is going to look a little different. But against the Ravens, you're right. Travis Kelce is going to have to do that more often. Rasheed Rice, Noah Gray, they need to do that more often. For both sides, linebackers versus middle of the field will be... Um, Paramount and interesting storyline to watch. let uh, will take a break. We're gonna come back. We'll be joined a um, branch before before we go to break. Branches. I would expect Kyle Hamilton to guard Kelsey all night. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton's a phenomenal safety. Um, really darn good. Let me look up Kyle Hamilton's size because I don't remember him as a super big dude. No, he he's like six five.
2: He's a big man. Is he that big? Uh huh. First round pick at uh, Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're right. 6'4", 220. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> boy So yes, I think you're correct in that assessment I don't know why I never thought of it I guess when you think safeties You're just like, oh, he's probably like 6'1", 6'2 6'2 is like a big safety count 6'2 is yeah.
2: typically a what decent think, size What do you think Justin Reed is, 6'2"? And he hits hard
1: Yeah, Justin Reed, I would I, Like, Justin Reed is what I almost consider a bigger bodied safety, right? Right Wouldn't you? Yeah And Justin Reed is I'm pulling it up right here
2: six
1: one two ten. 210 Wow 207 oh,
2: And correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle Hamilton, All-Pro this year? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Good call, Brants. I think you're right there, man. I do think you'll see a lot of Kyle Hamilton on Travis Kelsey. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We're joined by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. Welcome again to Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes joined now by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. Nick, it is so good to talk to you yet again on a victory week, right? It's so nice to talk to We're you. We're going, baby. Still looking How ahead.
0: satisfying. <laughs> How satisfying can you get? And, you know, I guarantee that Travis Kelsey would have a touchdown. And, and I come to think, you know, maybe he had two because his brother was there. One was for him, and one was for his brother. Uh, I, I just love the fact that now that Philadelphia is out, his brother can be there to kind of take care of taylor in the suite you know and, and and frankly as as much a professional as travis is to be able to completely focus on the game and he is he and his brother are two of the most healthy uh you know quality uh, productive brothers right the way they support each other no egos so i think that was a beautiful thing and of course like the Packers game when a- uh, Anders Carlson missed a 41 yarder, this game came down to a field goal as well. And we had a guy, number seven, in Harrison Butker, who made a 47 yarder into the wind look easy in the first quarter, which ended up proving the difference because Tyler Bass, who had been nine for nine in big kicks before that, Badly missed, didn't take uh, into account with the gusting winds left to right, right and badly missed that 44-yarder that would have tied up the game. So, you know what, It's it was amazing, shocking, exciting, exhilarating, and unlike the, the past few games, my friend, seasons, where the Chiefs have kind of hit their stride in early December, they really didn't hit stride until mid-January, but I'll take it.
1: <laughs> I, w- I want to ask you this because you brought up some good points there, especially with Butker's 47-yarder into the wind. I feel like that's not getting enough love because that is extremely, extremely difficult. And then obviously Tyler Bass is at the very end, but obviously you know better than anyone else when you're kicking in those conditions, can you try and walk us through the mindset and just the the overall philosophy you have to go to? And what's harder, kicking in a wind where it's into you, a wind that's gusty in the rain? What, do, what do all goes through your mind in these different situations here? Well, when it's gusting, it's more unpredictable. Anybody who's
0: played golf knows that. Here's a little insight that, um, frankly, may have made a difference. When I would kick in Arrowhead, which uh, at times would have bad wins, I remember one against uh, one game against the future Super Bowl team, the Cincinnati Bengals and Boomer Esiason and company. Back in 88, I had five field goals in that game, but the win was ridiculous. And I remember... Going into the wind, there was a, about a 35-yarder left hash. I had to aim literally five yards outside the left upright and brought it in. And the other thing I did, though, was when you're a right-footed kicker, the ball is tilted slightly to the right because that helps with the hook. People that play golf again, there's a little bit of a hook when you've got a beautiful, natural power stroke. But when there's a strong wind left to right, as there was, I would have my holder literally not only not tilt it to the right. I'd have him tilt it not only straight up, but maybe even slightly to the left, which sounds weird. But what happens is in those first 20 yards when the ball's cutting into that wind, it's at an angle cutting into the wind. So it reduces the impact of that push by the wind and probably would have cut Tyler Bass's kick in half in terms of how far it was blown to the right may have made a difference. So um, it's tough in those situations and every, what's great about the NFL, every single detail matters. One play makes a difference. Anders Carlson knows that the Packers know that what's great about the NFL now is even in replay in slow motion, like the slow motion with that Michael Hartman fumble, <laughs> even those ones are incredibly hard to to decide. With the referee standing right there, taking several minutes to look at it at, from different angles. And by the way, let's go to that play. I don't understand why. I just don't understand why. With Isaiah Pacheco averaging almost seven yards a carry and just gashing them, we got the ball after their stupidly chosen. Uh, in retrospect, fake punt. We're down at the three-yard line. Why don't you just give it back to Isaiah Pacheco? It's like we got a little cutesy the way that Buffalo started to get cutesy. And, by the way, do you know who we tackled? Do you know who was the person in on that fake punt that the Chiefs uh, with? There's a um, someone saying we only had ten of our own men on the field, but we shut down that fake punt, and guess who was carrying it? Jamar Hamlin. Damar Damar Hamlin, the guy who a year ago almost died on that same field, almost in the same place, by the way, and we shut them down. So uh, the, we could have collapsed a little bit then when McCall Hardman um, tried to get the ball in the end zone instead of protecting the darn ball. Not a good choice. Just like, frankly, uh, you know, returning that punt from the from the goal line against Denver was one way that, that, uh, unfortunately, was a mistake. And McCall's a good guy, but please, you know, just not good judgment. But having said that, things like that will happen. And the great teams are so competitive, starting with Patrick Mahomes, that they just overcome it. They will themselves to not let it bother them. We shut down their offense, even though they had, you know, tremendous success with us in the running game for the most part. We found a way to shut him down, and in the end, we're back for the sixth straight year in the AFC Championship game.
1: (laughs) Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry is our guest, and sticking with that theme, in the Patrick Mahomes era, ever since he took over as the starter, the floor is the AFC Championship game, the floor. I mean, let that sink in of just this continued success the Chiefs have had in the Mahomes era. Obviously, he deserves a ton of credit, but it's also the team building in totality here. I mean, from your viewpoint here, you played in the NFL. You know how hard it is just to make to the playoffs, let alone to the AFC Championship game, six straight years. Can you talk about how hard and impressive this is?
0: Well, it's historic. I mean, I I believe that the Patriots, did they do it eight years in a row? That's hard to believe that they did it. But, you know, this is historic, and it's also from the beginning of Patrick's career. You saw as he came down that tunnel, I came out of that locker room in Buffalo uh, way back exactly 30 years ago, almost to the day when we're playing with Joe Montana and Marcus Allen and Derek Thomas and company and Marty Schottenheimer in the AFC Championship game. The determination and focus on his face was extraordinary. And it's just I, – I, I challenge anyone listening to remember a game in the playoffs, not counting the Tampa Super Bowl, which had that weird energy because of the, the Andy Reid son, you know uh, – both COVID and the Andy Reid Sun accident two days earlier. But separate from that, has anyone ever seen Patrick in bad weather ever play poorly? Mm -mm. He has uh, such athleticism. He's absolutely super quick, may not be the fastest guy, but he almost always finds a way to elude. But he has the balance. He has the athleticism. He has the ability to adjust in poor weather. And, by the way, it's supposed to rain in Baltimore So while the running game of the the Ravens can give them even further edge, you just cannot – count out Patrick Mahomes and this Kansas City Chiefs team.
1: Yeah, let's talk about this upcoming game then. Let's, let's switch gears again. The Chiefs won. Uh, we can have some uh, some celebration, especially when it comes to drinking some El Bendito Yankee tequila, right? We can go drink some of the best tequila out there. But the players, obviously, now they are taking a look ahead at this particular game. What are you looking forward to? What matchup in particular do you think that might be an underrated storyline as the Chiefs go to Baltimore and take on the Ravens?
0: Well, we've got to find a way to mirror just as we had to against Josh Allen. We've got to mirror this guy. I mean, as good as the the uh, bills were with 130 yards a game rushing, the best in the NFL with 156 and a half yards a game is the Ravens. And in the playoffs, that becomes an even bigger factor. So, you know, you're not worrying. Uh, in the, the playoffs, you're you're worried about winning. You're not worrying so much about keeping your quarterback healthy. You want him to be healthy, but you've got to just do whatever it takes. We've seen that with Patrick Mahomes, you know, getting a crack in his helmet, right? you just got to do what you have to. And so we have to account for him, so we have to have mirrors. We have to have multiple redundancies to cover for him because no one runs like him in the secondary when he accelerates his slashing, his decision-making – but if we can shut down their run to some degree, and number two, of course, is if we can get ahead of them in points, forcing him to throw, we've got Trent McDuffie and Legarius Snead, who continue to to cement themselves as the best duo. It's a little bit like, uh, I'm a little biased, but Albert Lewis and Kevin Ross and you know that great secondary we had back in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. But uh, that that, to me, is going to be the key. How do you shut them down and then – as Chris Jones said after the game, we know that's going to be our biggest challenge, to shut down their running game. And, by the way, another way to do it is turn the ball over. Hmm. The biggest um, challenge for the defense, as good as it has been for the Kansas City Chiefs, is it has not turned the ball over nearly as much as we'd like. It's made key plays. It's been an incredible defense, and it's playing better in the playoffs. Now, at the time, is ripe. To make Lamar Jackson, make that one forced throw, get that fumble, get that interception, those things turn around the game. And as we started this broadcast with, every single play makes a difference, every calculation, every detail. That's why the National Football League is four times more popular than the NBA and Major League Baseball
1: offensively what do you expect the Chiefs to do in this game obviously in the playoff victory so far it's been a heavy dosage of Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice as well as Isaiah Pacheco but then you saw this past game MVS getting more involved do you think a MVS or McColl Hardman or if Kadarius Tony is healthy in plays do you think one of those tertiary receivers needs to step up and make a big play in this game or do you think just focusing on Kelsey and Rice will be enough no, it's never enough. You have got to be unpredictable. And let's give some kudos to MVS, who's
0: been—he uh, has been lambasted. Most of the season came through with big, big catches. We're going to need two or three more of those. Rasheed Rice, four catches, forty-seven yards, but they were all key. Even Edwards-Hilare, twenty-eight yard run, a big run. Yeah. Just kept saying to the Buffalo defense, we're in your face, we're going to gash you when we can, you can't stop us, and you have to respect our run. And then everything else follows. Same thing, by the way, with with Patrick Mahomes, is he gives, is given permission to run more, but we just don't want him to have to run. And the one we're going to have to account for, because this is a Ray Lewis-type Baltimore defense, they are brutal. They are angry. They are tough tacklers. Raquan Smith, 158 tackles. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, Patrick Green, they're, they're good linebackers. And then you've got Justin Matabuiki, who's had 13 sacks. And Jadavian Clowney, nine sacks. Kyle Van Noy, nine sacks. I mean, that's a lot of sacks. And we, in turn, of course, have had our share as well. But those are things that we have to do. When we watched that Tampa Bay frustrating Super Bowl a couple of years ago, we remember they made Patrick run laterally all day long. You know who's another unsung hero for us from that game? Is a certain Jawan Taylor, yeah. who, uh, you know, the offensive line itself did a good job. He didn't have any major penalties to my knowledge, and we're going to rely on people like Jawan Taylor to to neuter that pass rush. From Baltimore,
1: yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, last season, Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley obviously had their issues in the regular season, but the postseason came around. They played their best football, looking like the same thing with Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor. All right, as always, Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry is brought to you by El Bandido Yankee Tequila. Time now to pick out your El Bandido Yankee Tequila Player of the Game, Lowry. who is going to step up big for the Chiefs in this one? You know. Uh,
0: Isaiah Pacheco, he is, to me, and, and and let's, again, give credit to Harrison Butker, who has just been unbelievable. These are the two best kickers in the NFL, uh, and if, if Harrison has two more years, you've got to start saying he's one of the best of all time, um, along with the kicker for Baltimore, Justin Tucker. So that's going to be an interesting one. But But Isaiah Pacheco turns on the rest of the team. His determination – his kneecaps banging into the jaws and the foreheads and the and the chest of, of of the defensive backs and linebackers that are trying to to bring him down. You know he runs a four point three seven forty, and at five ten two twenty five, he doesn't look that heavy. That's that's a load when you can run that fast, and so that's why he's a surprise because he's coming in with that ballistic speed, and then he's heavier than you expect. So. He breaks more tackles than anybody expects. He keeps the yards after the initial impact. He's very good at that. And if he can be that uh, solid reference for us, that factor that they have to respect, it creates all the space we need to then hit the guy that has given himself permission to become a veteran and to break off his patterns in Rasheed Rice. We love him. Now suddenly Travis Kelsey has two other threats, and look what he did. Two touchdowns, and Travis Kelsey, ladies and gentlemen,
1: is back. (laughs) All right. Score prediction, and, Nick, what drink are you making? I know Albany Yankee tequila is going to be in the mix somewhere, but what are you mixing it with? You know, I'm just going to stick with, in, in
0: the cold weather, I just, I'm sorry, guys, I'm boring here. I love hot chocolate. I mix it with the hot chocolate because, you know, you're sitting in the stands, and our fans proved their toughness and their character and their loyalty in that minus-23 degree game the week before. Uh, th- that's just my highlight. The, the uh, Obviously, we love margaritas, and the Blanco works really well there. And by the way, March 1st, our Anejo is coming out, uh, and they're all every one of them is absolutely first class. It's a 100, $100 tequila for 45, 40 to 40 bucks. And you can you can enjoy it as you watch this team perform yet another miracle because they have character, they're a great team, and they're playing again another great team. I will I'll end with this thought. When those knucklehead Buffalo fans were throwing snowballs at Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones and everyone when apparently I, I want to hear corroboration, but apparently they deliberately shut off our hot water right, because they were so mad that they lost. Under all of that is the supposition, is the assumption that just because on paper you think you're a better team that you deserve to win. Nobody deserves to win. The Dallas Cowboys keep having to learn that same lesson, and they'll continue to lose in the playoffs until they realize there's only one thing that matters. You have to earn it, E-A-R-N, on the field. I've said this before, I'll say it again. And that's why this team that has been matured through playoffs year after year knows it has big play, but it also has a great coach and has great camaraderie. It's been through more adversity this year than ever. Knows it has to do one thing, earn it on every Single play. Uh,
1: if there was a wall in front of me that was not made of glass, I would be running through it right now after that speech by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. We will take a break, come back. Sports video 810 WHB. <laughs> Welcome back to the home stretch, ESPN at Kansas City. It's chili season, baby. You know who woke up early and threw that thing in a crock pot? This guy. Extra spicy. I can't wait to get home after this. Cheese on top. Fresh onion. Ooh-wee! Can't wait. Bar Scott can't wait crock pot gotta leave that thing on for about six hours okay i'm a uh, i'm a chili as a dude there's like two things i can make that i have ability to make both involve a crock pot uh, a pot roast and uh chili Crockpot's
2: crock pot's just that's your instrument that's your tool that's
1: my tool huh. yeah yeah um I also have my playoff mustache rocking right now, which means uh it's definitely chilly season. It worked last year. I grew the mustache out for the playoffs for the Chiefs. What happened? They won a Super Bowl. Did you also make chili? Also made chili. Okay. Just saying You know You're I'm the am I'm, style, I'm like not it. saying that I'm the reason the Chiefs won last year and the reason why they've won two games already this playoffs, but I'm saying I'm not not the
2: reason. Okay? Just throwing that out there. That's that's the same kind of logic I use. As well. Yeah,
1: yeah. Just throwing it out there. Throwing it out there. Uh, some funny news in the AFC West. Raiders are working to hire Tom Telesco as the GM. Do you know who he is? Got...
2: <laughs> yes, I do.
1: Yeah, just got canned from the Chargers. <laughs> the dude. Who I give him this. I will give Telesco this. How many offseason Super Bowl banners has he hung?
2: Right. He knows how to keep his team in the media during the offseason. He knows
1: how to do it. And by the way, he beat the Raiders 63-21, right? No, 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 no. The Raiders beat him. Raiders beat him, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If
2: you can't beat him, join him.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm perplexed by this one. Do you think the Raiders will then hire the... The Raiders GM who just can't? <laughs> the Chargers are, hire him? <laughs> they hired Dave Ziegler?
2: Yeah, just, do, do you think just, you just change, change him out? Yeah, yeah just you, needed to change the scenery. you think
1: Josh McDaniels will now go?
2: Oh, I'd love to see that. To yeah. the Chargers? Yeah, send him to LA. You know what? Say, hey, you know what? McDaniels and Harbaugh. You, 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 who has? <laughs> <laughs> I guess
1: Harbaugh does have actually a lot of uh, NFL head coaching. A few years, right? You got, what, four years? Dude, I, I just, this makes me laugh so hard. How the hell do you see the Chargers and say, you know what? Yeah, that's who we want to have run. The team that has $180 million hooked up in six dudes. You know what? he bleep them over. how bleep he bleep us over? Wild. Wild. Wild, wild. All right, good for him. He found. Do you think he was just like shocked? He's like, "Are you? Are you sure you want? Like, you know, I've been in the same division. and We've won nothing for ever since I've been here, right?" Yeah. He, he gets that phone call and went,
2: "Huh? Uh, uh, all right. Sure. Uh, yeah. You, you sure you want to hire me? All right. Wait, I'm the GM. Oh, <laughs> not like assistant something. I'm not an advisor. Not an
1: advisor." Oh, y- sure. I-, I guess I'll take that job. That had to be such a perplexing call for him. Just getting canned, thinking, all right, I'm probably going to be on my ass for a while. Nope. Team in the division.
2: Con you. Rappaport tweeted it out and said, Telesco built one of the NFL's best rosters over a decade with the rival Chargers.
1: How much money do you think Telesco's agents are paying him to write that? Oh,
2: oh, oh. I'm not sure. But I love Briscoe. Briscoe tweeted and said, Wow, he sounds awesome. Why isn't he still with the Chargers?
1: (laughs) That's great. Uh, Other news, Titans finalizing a deal with Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. Looks like he's potentially going to be the next head coach, according to ESPN. Um, Callahan, who is replacing Mike Grable, would become the sixth coach in Titans franchise history. I'm a little surprised by this because I don't know why Vrabel got canned. That's really shocking to me. I think Vrabel is no, – I, I know they've had two down years in a row, but let's be real now. Vrabel's a damn good head coach. It's not like you've given a lot of tools to work with. Giving him a injured Ryan Tannehill and then a rookie Will Levison saying, all right, yeah, win 13 games yeah. seems like an uh, absurdity.
2: Yeah. Not to mention traded away his best weapon, A.J. Brown. Yeah,
1: just yeah. look at look at the whole team. It's it's not a good team. And expecting him to like, yeah, come on now. He didn't. He had done more with less before. Then, and then you took away what was the any decent dude you had on the team and said, "All right, come on now." Yeah, this was going to be the result. Um, they are going a more offensive minded. Right, Mike Vrabel, known for defense, um, so they're going with Brian Callahan now. Brian Cal- Callahan's done a pretty good job as the as the Bengals OC. So I'm not. Not as much a knock against Brian as it is a knock against the Titans for letting go of Mike Vrabel. But what do you think of this? He's been the OC for the Bengals for five years. Obviously, Joe Burrow and T. Higgins and and Jamar Chase. There's been some talent there. They've gone to a Super Bowl. Didn't win, but they've gone to a Super Bowl. Offense was obviously the uh, focal point of those teams. But I'm sitting here going, that's great and all. You don't have Joe Burrow. You don't have Jamar Chase. You don't have T. Higgins. Hell, you don't have Tyler Boyd. I'm intrigued to see how this plays out. Uh, I'm not saying it can't work, but again, this is another trend in the league going more offensive-minded a lot of times when it comes to these head coaching hires. I will say his performance with Jake Browning probably played a massive role in this, right? When you see Jake Browning putting up numbers, even with with T. Higgins being injured and Jamar being injured at some point, I'm sure that didn't hurt his chances for a uh, head coaching job. So, Brian Callahan, Bengals OC, potentially looking like he will be the Titans head coach. Which, if you are a Bengals fan, uh, are you bummed right now? Losing your OC? See See how much of a difference that will make. We'll be back tomorrow in studio from 3 to 4 p.m. Until then, we are out.